Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Amen. Well, if you have the, don't have the notes, raise your hand and we'll get you the notes. Uh, they love running around and doing that. And so, uh, did we take up the offering, Nate? Okay. I was somewhere. I was somewhere over the rainbow. What? The threads. Yes, threads. The threads. I'm wearing red, white, and blue threads. All right. Um, So, today's a different kind of message. I want to share two testimonies. Uh, Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. There's something about giving testimony where when I hear a testimony, I go, well, if God did it for you and God's not a respecter of persons, he can do that for me. And so there's an overcoming element to to testimonies. And so I want to share two testimonies from my time at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Long word, because from now on I'm going to say IHOP KC, so you don't think I'm talking about pancakes. I drove 720 miles to IHOP, not for pancakes, but to be in what their prayer room, thank you, Sloan, it looks like, to, on the right, that's what their, that, their prayer room looks like. It looks a lot like this room. Um, you say, why would you drive 720 miles up there? Well, it was um, a few weeks ago. We, Suzanne and I have been connected with IHOP before, IHOP KC before it was IHOP, okay? When it was Forerunner, when it was Metro Christian Fellowship, we had connections there. And so, but I've loved going up there over the years at times to be a part of what God is doing and to get away and pray. And so... Suzanne let me know that she was going to, got a great deal on a plane fare to go see our daughter Grace, who's in Orlando, Florida, with uh, Jesus Image School and Jesus Image Ministries, Michael Koulianos and and them. So she said, I'm going to be gone for a week. And I thought, well, I'm not slated to preach this that Sunday, and I don't know that I want to be alone in the house all week. I talked a few weeks ago about how sheep don't like to be alone or they get weird, okay? (laughs) Like Buddy the sheep, he needed his friend Bruce to butt heads with. Now, I don't butt, uh, sometimes I butt heads with my wife, but, um, yes, with my wife. (laughs) Yeah. She's in the other room. You can talk about her. So I am. Uh, so I'm like, Lord, is there something different you want me to do during this week? And I felt like the Lord said, "Put a, uh, go go to IHOP. Go go up there and um, and and uh, just spend extended time in the prayer room before me." Now, don't feel sorry for me. Like, oh, that's what you did for five. I spent five days basically there, and um, but it's it. Trust me, it wasn't a drag for me to do that. It was actually exhilarating 
for my spirit. It was invigorating to have, to, and I had one agenda going up there, just, you know, take time and no, no meeting, no conference to attend to, no, uh, no networking with people, no phone interruptions. I basically shut my phone down and everybody said amen to shutting the phone. <laughs> But I honestly, I, I, I really, unless for emergencies, I take, took that time to be with the Lord, and um, it, was, it was amazing how fast five days went by, because you know how sometimes you, you need a vacation from your vacation? I didn't need a vacation from that vacation. I was so pumped after those five days. I drove back basically straight from Kansas City to Austin, and my wife's got a newer car. I took her car in case mine broke down, and when I'm getting through Waco, Texas, the, my car alerts me and says, beep, 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 don't you need to stop and rest? Does anybody have a car like that? Okay. And he goes, here are some places you can stay, and then I or go and like Whataburger, McDonald's, a hotel, and I'm like, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling good, but I kind of second guess myself. No, I want to go all the way, and uh, but I I was so refreshed and full of joy. Isaiah 56:7. It's not in your notes. It says God will make us make those joyful who are in the house of prayer. So five days flew by. I was joyful, and actually, Scripture says in Psalm 27.4 that this is actually biblical to take time and be in the house of the Lord. David said, King David said, one thing have I desired, that will I seek. It's like the main thing in my life, even though I'm president of a nation, captain of an army, a king, you know, I'm going to, he said, one thing have I desired, that will I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to ask questions or inquire in his temple. So I went up there, probably 50 to 100 people in the room doing the same thing, really going after Psalm 27.4. Thankfully, we have this room for you to come to during the week um, like that, like the prayer room up there. So like I said, I had only one item on my agenda. Give my heart to the Lord for an extended period of time. But in God's goodness, I had one item on my agenda, but God had some things on his agenda for me that were divine appointments of his kindness and goodness. And so I want to share two testimonies of two divine appointments God had for me because I believe they have some lessons in them that apply to all of us, some lessons that will, in a sense, help all of us to break through familiar roadblocks in our lives, to break through familiar certain barriers that sort of keep us stuck from going forward into greater faith, greater hope, greater love. Barriers, and now I realize how the scalpel word's part of that. Getting, he wants to re release certain, these certain lessons to help us to get unstuck in walking in greater freedom in Christ. 
greater liberty. Jesus came. It was for freedom that he came to set us free. He is Yehovah Nisi, God our deliverer, God our banner. So that's what I want to share about. It's, it's like for many of us, if we're honest today, there's an impasse or a roadblock in our relationship with Jesus. It's like you know there's more to your relationship with him, but you just can't seem to get there. Oftentimes, it's because there's a barricade that God wants to remove. I believe God wants to heal physically today. So maybe, maybe there's something blocking your healing. Let's just be honest. You know, Jesus shed, shed his blood for our healing, but sometimes there are things that block our receptivity to that healing. Maybe it's physical healing, emotional. Uh, we overcome, though, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So let's look in your notes, Roman numeral 2. Two testimonies, two divine appointments. The first one I will call a divine appointment with Brother K. A divine appointment with Brother K. You can start to get that video queued up. I arrived. No, not yet. Don't queue that up yet. Never mind. You know, that's his picture. He's not, that's not on the internet right now. They've, they've blocked it from watching it on the screen. And he's asked that I not give his full name because he's heavily tied into ministries in the Middle East and Israel, and uh, they're not playing around there in some of the, the, the attacks on Christians. And so um, that's, what, that's who he was. If you can keep it up just a few more seconds. Um, I arrived Thursday night at about 6.15 p.m., Took me a couple days, two half days to drive up there. And I didn't want to get a hotel room at first. I figured, you know, it's Kansas City. They're going to have a room somewhere. I just want to go right to the prayer room because it's so awesome for me, you know. The worship's great, all of that. I, I get to the, so I get off the highway, I go straight to the prayer room. My car, I go onto the parking lot at IHOP. Not that many cars. It's summertime, about 50 cars. Pretty big parking lot. The, the room can hold like 670 people. So I get on the parking lot, and the first face I see, like any human being I see, is Brother K. He's like the first one. Not that many, like four people outside the prayer room. It's the first face I see, and I go, huh. I don't really know that many people up there, but the first guy I see is actually someone I know. And Brother Kay and I have been good friends over, the last, over 12 years now. He's actually preached here at River in the Hills before. So, um, you know, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So I get in. I'm, I'm still like, I have no other agenda. I'm just like, I'm going in to pray. So I'm like, hey, Brother Kay. I didn't say Brother Kay. It's going by his name. I said, wow, I, great to see you. He's like, yeah. And, and, and so that was, I found that interesting. I went, I went in to sit down and pray. But um, it was interesting. But what was even more interesting was that was a few weeks ago. Ten years ago, I drive from Austin to Kansas City Again, just to pray. I was kind of in a desperate situation. I needed the Lord to speak on some things. 
And so I drive up to pray. So 10 years ago, I get out of my car, and I'm walking into the prayer room, and I see Brother K. First face I see. It's like the, he, he was going to his car to leave because he did the night watch. He was up all night, um, every, you know, praying and singing, doing worship in the prayer room. And so he was going to sleep at 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm, I'm walking in, and, I, he, and he gave me, and here's, it, what's, here's what's even more interesting. Not only was he the first person I saw 10 years ago, he was standing at the exact same place on the sidewalk 10 years ago as he was three weeks ago. On the corner of the sidewalk where, where I was going to take a left to go into the prayer room, he's, he's in the very same spot. And I'm like, and it wasn't, like I said, I got in there at 6.15, 10 years ago it was 2.30 in the afternoon. And by the way, Brother K's not a security guard. So that wasn't his post. His post was in the prayer room for hours a day. And I'm like, and so it, it made it even more wild that it wasn't like a normal schedule thing. All right? So he gives me a word about 10, 15 seconds, 10 years ago. It's kind of, am I making clear? I tried to work this out where I didn't ramble. 10 years ago, he gives me about 10 to 15 seconds, says something on the sidewalk that had massive ramifications in a good way for River in the Hills 10 years ago. And so I'm going into the prayer room this time going, huh, same place, same face, had a word, God, are you up to something? But again, I was on an agenda just to get into the prayer room, so I said, hey, it's cool, cool to see you. Wasn't this wild? I saw you back 10 years ago. Um, so I go in, and uh, then our paths, my path with Brother K, crossed two more times in two different parking lots within 24 hours of that time I saw him. Two more times, and I was like, it was like going out to his car, I was going out to my car, going here and there. So I'm walking toward him. I mean, the third time I'm walking into a building, and I see him again, only guy in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, all right, this is three times in 24 hours. If he wants to meet, I'll meet with him. I'll change my agenda. I just forgot something. That's why I'm here. I'll, I'll change my agenda and I'll meet with him if he wants to. Well, we start heading toward each other. He says, he says, Glenn, could we meet? And I was like, yeah, 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 in my heart. Yeah, for sure, you know. And it turned out that um, he, said, we want, he said, I want to meet, and I've got something I wanted to talk to you about about the last time we met, which was about six years ago. And it, it turned out when we did meet, there was an area in our friendship that had been strained and had been wounded, really. And long story short, I repented to Brother K for the way in which I handled some things back six years ago. Basically, I didn't have the right spirit as we discussed some issues. I was in a, a certain place in dealing with some things, 
And uh, basically, I was confront. He said, "You know, you were, you were seemed confrontational and aggressive, and uh, it caused me to be confused about some things." And bottom line, you know, I was able to clear up some things with him. No, it wasn't about you. It was this, and and but he had confusion, and it was really there was a wounding. Once I repented and he forgave me, the air was cleared. Three weeks ago, the air was cleared and our relationship was restored. Praise God. You know, isn't it good? It's so good. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant when brethren dwell together. I mean, it got, it got fully restored and there was oil flowing and we've had some wonderful interaction since then. But here's the kicker. Here's an, another little lesson. I did not realize there was anything wrong between us for the last six years. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I just thought our season of running together in the kingdom had ended. And uh, it, no big deal. It just happens. You just kind of go, go different races, different paths. <clears throat> but the Lord did not want that issue in our friendship to go unresolved. He is, you know, he was all about saying, no, I want my brothers to be in full unity. And I'm so glad things got resolved. And if I, if I hadn't, I felt corrected in that meeting with him a few weeks ago in the way that I should approach difficult meetings in the future. I'm better because of that confrontation a few weeks ago. But what it took was, you know, us getting together and then there was repentance and, and restoration. So two lessons, they're in your notes there, little, little A and little B. Lesson number one from this meeting with this um, connection, this divine appointment with Brother K. Lesson number one, God really can direct your steps. We don't have to go through life wondering if God can guide us. Am I on the right track or not? What's, you know, we don't have to wonder. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, familiar with this, most of you. It's got three conditions and one promise in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. See if you can pick them out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own cognitive understanding alone. In all your ways, acknowledge him. If we will do those three things, the best we know how, he shall direct our paths. Claim, I, you know, claim that promise. If you feel today like you're kind of wandering through life, like you're out of step with God's will. There's just kind of like a restlessness. If you feel like you're maybe out of God's timing, claim the promise of Proverbs 3. Now, it probably won't be as dramatic like this every day, like, whoa, you know. But claiming this promise daily, regularly positions you for God to do something wild like that 
I mean, how many of you know, what would the odds be, just backing up, what would the odds be about the first person in the parking lot I see 10 years ago is Brother K. I drive up again, right off, same thing. I didn't go get a hotel back then. Okay, same thing. I get onto the parking lot this time three weeks ago. Same guy standing in the same place. But I still needed, you know, a couple more prompts within 24 hours. Two more times, it's like that. Well, it's because it was really important to God. And then it was really assuring to me that he's directing my steps in the little things. But you know what? We, if we don't really take to heart Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we can just kind of, we're not in position for God to do the big stuff. Like that. How many of you have had a divine appointment where you look back and go, that was God set that up? Can I see your hands? Okay. Those are the big things, right? Where God, I mean, I met my wife, now my wife in a Christian bookstore at Richland Polyester Mall, we called it, Richland Fashion Mall. Uh, you know, and uh, it was like, the, that was a big directing of the steps, right? So, but this was a miracle that happened with Brother K, and you can position yourself uh, like that. I want to play, now don't laugh, this is a cassette player, and there's a cassette in there. Thank you for cassettes, yes. <clears throat> Lindsay's like, what's that? Ask your mom, she'll tell you. So this is, I was looking, listening to these old cassette tapes about spiritual gifts, from my pastor in Waco back in the day, I was his youth pastor in the 1980, like 80 to 85, you know, in and out. So, but he talks about miracles like this. He's talking about other things, but I thought, I got to play this. It's just a, about a minute uh, of this, just because it goes right along with my thing with Brother K. So, several years ago, I remember ministering. In a conference, a certain person came to me later and was deeply distraught and under conviction because of offenses that he had committed against uh, another person. And his desire was to clear that up. But he said, I have a problem. I don't know where the person is. I know they live in this city. This was in Seattle, Washington. And he, but he said, they live, as far as I know, on a certain street in an apartment, but I don't know which one. We prayed together that the Holy Spirit in his timing would bring him into contact with this person. Later, he came back to our conference and he was trembling and he said, I can hardly believe it. But he said, there was no way that I knew how to obtain the name of this person. But he said, I began driving down this certain street and I says, and he said, I began to pray and I said, Lord, you know that my desire is to make this right and I want to pursue peace and to restore our fellowship one with another with everything that's within me. And so he asked the Lord's direction, having searched every possible way otherwise to find this particular person, and he couldn't. But after asking the Lord's direction, he said the Lord directed him, and he felt impressed within his spirit that he was to pull up to a certain apartment building. Almost thinking it was silly, he decided to try it anyhow. He walked inside, looked for the name of the person on the mailboxes, and couldn't find but as he began on his way out, walking in as they passed with this particular person, actually, 
the mother of the person whom he was looking for had married again, and therefore having a last name, which prevented it from being the original name on the mailbox. At that moment, he renewed his acquaintance and shared his reason for coming and asked forgiveness, and the Lord restored their fellowship. And when he came back to the conference, he was trembling and almost in tears, and he said, I can't believe God's timing in working this out. I remember a similar incident in my own life several years ago in which I too knew of a person who had been offended, but I didn't know where they lived because it had been so many years ago. And I asked the Lord in his timing that I would not certainly be under a bondage of judgment and condemnation, but in his timing that I purpose in my heart to ask forgiveness from that person and to clear up the offense and as much as possible to pursue peace. To my surprise, the following summer, I was eating in a cafeteria, a restaurant in a certain city, and as we were standing in line waiting to be served, to my amazement, walking up behind me to the line was this person who also was on a vacation, now living in a different state. You can imagine that I realized God's handiwork in the working of miracles. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. I mean... He, he is really into restoring wounded relationships, and he's into uh, uh, the idea of directing our steps. So, <clears throat> so that's, uh, that's lesson one, and I go right into the lesson two. He's into restoring relationships. So that's so perfect because it's about restoring relationships. He does the, the paths crossing. Um, Especially strained relationships or wounded ones. And like I said, I wasn't trying to be prideful. I just didn't realize there was something wrong. But I'm so glad God realized there was something wrong and there was something I needed to grow in, to grow, to grow in love. So, um, and so like I said, oh, I'm getting along with them. Well, but is it all good? Is everything resolved? Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. What's your role in the responsibility? I've seen a number of times people get instantly healed of arthritis when they were in a meeting and there was a, there was a, a wave of repentance and people forgave offenses. Has anybody ever heard of that happening before? Okay, somebody, yeah, it, there, was a, there was a physical healing attached to getting a relationship restored. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath or anger. I, but a harsh word, a harsh tone stirs up anger. It's just so important, I believe, for us today in our culture. In America right now, with such harsh rhetoric going on, there's such explosive words um, in our media and in social media. It's so harsh. I'm going to read that verse again. A soft answer turns away anger, but a harsh tone stirs up anger. And I wrote in your notes there, I believe I wrote, a negative tone includes anger, defensiveness, 
lack of patience, rushing people to answer, come on, hurry up, spit it out. Or a tone of lecturing, instructing them. I think the term now is mansplaining. You know, I, I mean, a tone of lecturing with, with people, talking down to people. I apologized to Brother K for, my, for the portion of my contribution to the strain. And I've said this before, if, if you are, let's say you are 1% guilty of causing the relationship to be strained, take 100% responsibility for your 1%. And if we wait... Well, they're 99% wrong. If we wait and wait for them to come to us, then that thing may not ever get resolved. So go to them. If you think they're offended with you, go to them. If you know you've offended them, go to them. Okay? So if they've offended you, go to them. If if you've offended them, go to them. In both cases, make the first move. And restoration can be on the way. Maybe they don't come back and repent for their part. But I knew, as Brother K was talking to me, I needed to repent for my contribution to that. All right, I'm, I'm going to move on and coming more to a close here. Paragraph B. Um, I had my second testimony. First was a divine appointment with a person. The second here, now this is letter B, big capital B on your notes, a divine appointment to help me love God more. I'd gone to Kansas City to just be with the Lord, and had, my agenda was to give my heart to him, but he had an agenda for me that helped me drastically, dramatically to love him more. Matthew 22, uh, 17 through 19, the first and great commandment Jesus gave is, this is the first and greatest commandment, that you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And I don't know how many of you have heard messages on how to love the Lord with all your mind. I haven't heard that many. I've heard about loving God in other ways, but I have been truly distressed over the last number of months because I, first of all, I'm like, what does it mean to love you with all my mind and help me to do that? And so before going up there a few weeks ago, I was struggling with this, wrestling with it. And I would just define loving God with all your mind is is living each day with undistracted devotion for Jesus. And I've become more and more discontent, being real honest and vulnerable today, with how much my mind would drift during the days. How much it would drift, not into direct sinful thoughts usually, although I'm human, so thoughts can come, but it wasn't that kind of drifting. It was mostly my mind would drift into thinking too much about me and my reputation and my comfort and what do they think about me. 
And I was like, ah, oh, conviction. I'm not loving you with my mind. With, as you, you know, so, and then even worse, even more grieving to my spirit was I would drift into rehearsing some offense. Some rehearsing of an offense or rehearsing a complaint in my mind. And I would find myself, the Lord's dealt with me on a lot of that. A lot of my complaining is actually a complaint against God, isn't it? Your complaint, well, God, you didn't do that. Sometimes it's, it's with people like, man, why didn't they? Or they don't get it together, which as if I've got it all together, right? And they get it. So I would, my mind would drift into a complaint or into um, uh, this offense, and, I, and the Lord had been, helped me. Jeremiah 2 has stuck with me, and I'm, I'm, uh, I want to really let this settle. The Lord says through Jeremiah to the people of Israel, he said, what fault did your ancestors find in me that would cause them to leave me and worship false gods? What fault did they find in me? And I found myself so convicted that ever since that verse came in my spirit, throughout the day, especially if I'm having a real tough day, I'll say this. In my com- I have an ongoing conversation with the Lord through the day. Out, out of my mouth, I'm walking along. I feel that, that drift into a complaint, and I'm walking along, and I say, Lord, I find no fault in you. There is no fault in you. And it's like, boom. It's like it tweaks it, and it's like the complaint just goes away. Then, then a couple hours later, an offense starts to rehearse. I go, I find no fault in you. Your, your leadership is perfect. And so those were the things I was dealing with. So I'm driving up. Now, I'm not conscious of that as I'm driving up to Kansas City. I just want to get to the prayer room. And so I get in there. Uh, I say hi to Brother Kerry. I'm freaked out a little that he's in the same place. I go, I'm like, I'm going to go to my spot in the prayer room. Before I did, I'd been driving, so I went to the bathroom, all right? Go to the bathroom, and you know how they have speakers playing of the sound? So while I'm in the bathroom and in the hallway, Ezrela Ritchie and her worship team, 6 p.m. set on Thursday night, June 9th, she's leading them in the song, Jesus Paid It All. And maybe you know Jesus Paid It All, right? So she gets to this, this spot, uh, and I want to go ahead. I put the lyrics in your, in your notes there of Jesus paid it all because this was pretty cool, dramatic for me. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but sometimes God's dramatic. Um, Lord, these are the words. By the way, Jesus paid it all was written in 1865 at the time of the ending of the Civil War by Alvina Hall. And I think it's an anthem for our nation today, to heal our nation. Just throw that in there. Jesus paid it all. She says, or this verse said, Lord, now indeed I find thy power in thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Could you go ahead and play that, Sloan? Thank you for, she's going to play this. So, I'm walking back in to my seat. You could, 
I'm sitting a few rows over there on the left side. And um, when that came into my mind, I was aware. It was like the Lord just froze me right then. And uh, he, he touched my heart in a way. I was being tormented, really, with how do I love you with all my mind. I was like, I don't want to be distracted. I want to be free from this so I can grow in loving you with my mind. I don't want my mind to drift like that. So when she got to that phrase, can change the leper's spots and melt a heart of stone, I gave my heart fully to the Lord, enjoying his presence, and then all of a sudden, I felt the Lord was revealing something deep in my heart. Honestly, I had not thought this thought for 35 years. I'm just there to love the Lord. But he brought a memory of a wounding in my life that I had not thought about for 35 years. Worship team, could you, could you all come up? Um, all of a sudden, as she's singing that, I remembered when my mom told me when I was in my 20s how my father had hurt her. He, she was pregnant with me. I'm an August baby, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 1959. There's no air conditioning in 1959, at least not for our house. My mom was so pregnant with me, nine months, eight months pregnant. She says to my dad, can you please go get me a chocolate milkshake? I'm so hot, so uncomfortable. He says, yes. He goes to get her a milkshake. He drives back later, and the milkshake had been drunk. He had, my, my older brother had gone with my dad, and I guess driving all the way back, the milkshake was down to just a sip. And my mom told me in my 20s how much that hurt her. But when I... Heard, when I heard that, I felt hurt too, because I was in her womb, and it was like a rejection from my father, and I'm just, three weeks ago, it's just, it comes back up, and I wouldn't known I was in the womb back then, 62 years ago, but it was you, the Lord, He spoke in my heart. He said, while I'm in the prayer room and there's a leper changes spots, he said, he said, your dad was rejected by his dad. And so he didn't know how to act any different. And he really didn't think about, you, you know, there was, he was consumed with other things. He was broken and it broke. It was a breaking in his father, normal heart of the father to the son. He said he didn't know what he was doing, but while you were in your womb, I saw you, I loved you fully. And, and then I was able to forgive my dad and release and see a great release of praise. And then I'm just, oh, praise the one who saved my soul, just like she went into. That's what happened. And the Lord connected that memory and healing of that rejection because somehow that rejection from my father 
way back when was affecting me being so concerned about what people thought of me, of acceptance from people. And there was freedom in that moment. Because in that moment, the Lord reached in like with a scalpel and cut away that, that thing that was keeping me from loving the Lord more. Do I love him with all my mind perfectly? No. But I was delivered that night. I've been free ever since in a much greater way because ah, that rejection got removed. Would you stand up to your feet? The third lesson, allow the Holy Spirit to burn up the chaff in your life that may be the source of some ongoing problem. I don't know what may be an ongoing problem you are struggling with. You probably know there's something that's, that trips you up, but you may not know the source of it. And so I'm going to just call us to come before the Lord and, and just allow the Lord to, to just, just giving yourself completely to the Lord right now. I want to pray for hunger for us to, uh, to just move where we are, to move in a way toward the Lord. And if the Lord reveals something, you know, Peter was so committed I mean, he wanted to be so committed to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus said, Peter, you are going to forsake me. You are going to leave me. But Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And Jesus allowed Satan to sift Peter. Sifting means separating out. He's like, Jesus is saying to Peter, I'm... Basically, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to allow pressure in your life. Seems funny, but a teenage girl saying, aren't you with Jesus? And he, he went ahead and denied Jesus three times. But it was a, a, a burnt, a chaff was this thing that was keeping Peter from, from following through on his commitment. The source that caused Peter to deny Jesus three times was something he wasn't aware of. It was there was a waffling in him where he overpromised to Jesus, but he underdelivered. Now I don't know what maybe is a situation with you, but what happened with Peter is when that pressure came and he denied that he knew even knew Jesus three times. I think probably part of it was because he wasn't necessarily afraid of the teenage girl, but if the mob heard it, then they might kill me. There was a, a fear of death. So what happened with Peter was the Lord allowed Satan to sift him so that in that pressure, the Holy Spirit could move in and bring that thing in the dark out to the light and burn it up. And so Peter never waffled again in his dedication to Jesus because you know how Peter died? He was martyred. 
for not denying Jesus. Peter never denied Jesus again because that chaff in his life got burned up. In fact, he said, I don't even want to die on a cross up like Jesus. I'm not worthy. Hang me upside down and crucify me. That's how permanent the victory was in Peter's life. So Holy Spirit, I invite you now in this room, in this setting where we're already hungry for all you have for us. I ask that you would release in each of us a, a, a hunger that would say, I'm not going to leave here today without letting you move in my life and do what you want to do in me. I want to open the altar right now. Prayer teams, if you would come forward, I want to open the altar for those who want greater guidance in your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the Lord wants to direct you. You say, I want the Lord to direct my steps. I need guidance. I need wisdom. Would you just come forward right now to the altar? I'm just going to pray for hunger in you to say, you know, I want to I be more in sync with God in His timing. I want to open the altar for anyone to move to this altar, either to a prayer team or just for you to come before the Lord. We're just going to allow time for minute, the Lord to minister. You want to come, come forward in your heart and you're saying, Lord, I want relationship restored. I want that relationship restored. I want to go to that person. If that, 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 there's a commitment in you that says, I want to make things right. I want, that, I want that relationship to be healed. Would you come forward? We have communion elements over here on each, each table. If you want to get, take some, come to the table and get some and, and receive communion with someone. There's a coming into union. If you want to be water baptized today, we have the baptismal over here. Just make a move. You don't have to be in front of someone to pray. Just You can just come to the altar and just say, here I am, Lord, work in me. I want my steps directed by you. I want that relationship. As far as it depends on me, I want to make, be on good terms. If you're, not, if you're not even sure how to make that thing right with them, would you come forward and say, I, I just want to ask for wisdom on how to make it right. It may be that you go to them. It may not be. The third thing, you want to come forward and you want to say, Lord, I have an on, ongoing thing that I, don't, I, wanna, I want freedom from. If you want liber, liberation, you want freedom from something and, you, and you're saying, I want the chaff burned up. Whatever the chaff is, I don't know what it may be. Just come forward and say, I want you to burn that thing up. That I would never go back to that thing. How would you like it if you never went back to that thing that was tripping you up. Peter never went back. 
He never went back on waffling in his commitment to Jesus again. Come forward. Thank you, Lord. The altar's open. We're going to give a word of knowledge here in, in, a, in a, any words of knowledge in a, a few moments. And, but right now, I'm, I would ask you to just not leave. Just come forward and let the Lord minister to you. Lord, I pray for our hunger. Lord, that hunger would cause everything you have for us to be experienced today. Everything. Lord, we determine how much of you we receive by our hunger. So, Father, it's in a setting like this, the atmosphere of your presence that activates spiritual hunger. Lord, I'm praying for activation of hunger for more of you. Lord, I want that thing to be dealt with. Lord, you're asking the question, how hungry is river in the hills? How thirsty is river in the hills? Are we hungry enough to act, to move to the communion table or move to be baptized or move to get prayer or move to say, burn up that chaff in me. There's power here today, power to heal. Go ahead, let's just worship now. The altar's open. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, Please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.